Hallelujah. Praise God forever. Well, we're talking about the book of Revelations, and I want to quickly just kind of uh, categorize or timeline some of this because timelines are very important uh, when these things here start. Some people say the book of Revelation has already been fulfilled, but we know that's not true. Uh, unless we would be in the period where Satan had been loose for a thousand years, which we're going to talk about. And uh, then those that are living here and uh, were in sin, not serving Christ, would be consumed by a fire that came down from God. But we're going to uh, talk about those things that are coming. So uh, we're going to lay out some things tonight, and then we're going to take some questions on the things that we've talked about up to this time uh, so that we can get a better feel and a little more deeper implant of what we're learning. Okay, we have here a series of events that are divided up. There are six phases of the events of where we are at the present age. The present age is known as the church age. This is the age that we are in right now. Now, Jesus speaks to these seven churches in the Ephesus area. There are seven influential churches. Jesus speaks to them because he is a merciful Savior. And he has realized, even though the church has not, he has realized that they are in sin. Jesus notices sin. It affects our relationship with him. It affects angelic uh, activity. It affects God's activity towards us in multiplying and blessing in using us and speaking to us. Because when we get into the place of the church here, they knew what Jesus required, but they let it slip from them. The Bible's there's an interesting piece of text in Romans, the first chapter, and I believe, uh, I can't even remember what verse it's in, but it says this, that they, knowing God's will, did not glorify him. They were used their own imagination to come up with a different way. And because they did that and were not thankful, God darkened their understanding. Now, the, the word there says, and God darkened them. He just let them, in, let them go into darkness. Well, sometimes the church itself discovers the will of God. And if I went here tonight and I asked each and every one of us, hey, do you know what God wants you to do? Yeah. Have you done it? No. Uh, have you got a word from God? Yep. Have you filled it? Yep. Uh, do you know that you're going to face God someday? Yep. Uh, are you preparing? Nope. And so what happens is that we can discover God's will. And we can hold it in disobedience, an unrighteous state. Now, I know that we usually think that Romans 1 is talking to homosexuals and lesbians and so forth. But that little passage of Scripture doesn't just talk to those that do sins that we think are just deplorable, just, just, just terrible. We classify sin, but liars will have their place in the lake of fire just like anybody else that transgressed against God. So one sin is not worse than another sin. It just brings you to the same end. The wages of sin is death. But in the midst of this, the church knew, and we are in that present age. There are many of us that know the will of God, but we will not do what we know God wants us to do and glorify him. So what we do, we are unthankful, we are despondent towards God, and the only thing that God has left to do is to fulfill the words of Jesus in Matthew, the fourth chapter, that says, if I give you something, make sure you give a great measure, a great weight of decision to what I give you. Because if you do not classify it as valuable, important, if you do not put it in a priority, I myself will come. I will take back what I gave you, and I will take back that which you had before I added to it. What does Jesus do? I will darken your understanding. Now, that's pretty powerful. So understand, 
that God just doesn't deal with one sect of sinners. He is unveiling to us that when we have the will of God and we do not glorify him by performing it, we are without gratitude. We count God's will, his plan and his purpose, something that we're not grateful for. What will happen? God will come and he will put you in a place of darkness. In other words, your understanding of kingdom things begins to be dimmed. There is a time that you can play as a child, but there comes a time when God's going to deal with you as a man. Amen? You are a child to put away childish things. It's time for the church to grow up, start filling up their canisters with the oil of God, and we need to prepare for this age right here. We went over those. There were many indictments against these seven churches. Those indictments are the present age indictments against the church. And so we have to understand that we have to prepare. And so we are in this time frame right here. And then this time frame will end. It will end up with an event not called the second coming. It will be called the rapture of the church or the catching away of the church. This is found in 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, verse 13, down through 18, and that this event right here is used to call people back to their faith that have drifted during this time. So what Jesus is doing when he rebukes the church, he is calling the church to preparation for this moment here. Jesus is calling the church, he's calling all believers to a place of repentance now so that we can be prepared for this event. This event is also found in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, from about verse 49 on down through the end of the chapter where we show a mystery where we shall not all die, but we shall all be transformed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye faster than time can be recorded. When this takes place, the saints are lifted up and they are now with Christ. When we are with Christ, we are with him during this time period. This time period from the time of the rapture of the church to the time of the beginning of the millennial is seven years. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. Seven years. But th this event sets in motion this seven-year time period, this seven-year clock that is ticking down until Jesus comes to reign upon the earth. The rapture of the church includes those that have died in Christ that are in the ground right now. Now their soul is not there. You know there are false teachings that, well, you know the soul is in the grave. Then there is a false teaching that is usually from uh, Jehovah Witness that the grave is hell. Well, if that's all the further hell is going to do, there's not much that you're going to do because you are not aware. You're unconscious. You're not there because your soul and your spirit, which are inseparable from, uh, inseparable from each other, they are what gives this physical body its life and its nature to live here on planet Earth. When the spirit and soul leave a body, it is now dead. When it is dead, the body is put in the ground and kept until the day that Jesus uh, comes for the church. Realize that Jesus comes to the middle in the air and that the church is caught up. First, those that are dead are raised with up to meet Christ, and when they get up to a certain place, we then, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with the Lord. This event right here is the event that most Christians know very little about and most churches don't preach or believe in. But it is essential because Paul said in 2 Timothy that some preach that the rapture or the day of the resurrection, that's a resurrection of the just, that that day has already been passed and they overthrow the faith of some. Listen, folks, this right here is a foundational 
hope for every Christian. It is the hope of what we are striving for and living for. We are living for a moment that we will be caught up to be with Christ and evermore to be with him. During that seven years, there is what takes place in 1 Corinthians, uh, the third chapter, and 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, is known as the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to find some things out about the judgments that take place here in just a moment. This judgment seat of Christ is where every man's work is tried by fire. Yet, if he loses something by fire, his soul and his soul and his spirit are still saved. And so it is consumed by fire. It is purged by fire, presenting unto Christ a church without spot and blemish. You might say, well, how much could I get away with? You probably already did too much. Yeah, why would any... Turn that down so Philip can't hear me. Why would any idiot chance getting so close and not just jumping off. Are you nuts? Don't get so close that you think that you're going to make it. You better be sure that you have found yourself in the walk of God and the acceptable place being spotless and blameless. So this period right here lasts seven years from this period down to this last period at the end of the Great Tribulation. That's a seven-year period. Now, having said that, we, in this tribulation period, after the rapture of the church, you have uh, six, let me see, one, two, three, you have uh, four things that take place. In this seven-year period, it is divided up into two time frames. Usually, it's divided up with three and a half years, before the Great Tribulation, and three and a half years after that tribulation ends, we enter into a Great Tribulation. Now, in the midst of that, that we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about some things where it doesn't always match up exactly three and a half years, but it's laid out like that in Scripture. So here, the first thing that is going to happen is this. This is known as a time of judgment. This right here is a time of judgment. These two here are times of judgment. So when the church goes up, judgment is poured out upon the ungodly and the unbeliever. Now you would say, well, why? Because God's after one thing. He is after the salvation of souls. Now this happens and last for approximately three and one-half years. Remember, out of the seven-year period. So this here, this time frame, this is known as a tribulation. This is known as great tribulation or a tribulation period such as no man has ever known. So this period right here deals with the entirety of the world. God is pouring his wrath out upon everything. Now realize that everything that is left after the church is taken away has not received Christ as their personal Savior. They are the enemies of God. They revile God. They revolt against God. And they resist God. So God pours out judgment. Why does God judge people? Because in the midst of all of this hideous, these hideous things that are going to take place, is a thread of mercy that whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And see, these things, sometimes people say, well, you know, these are symbolic and these things are symbolic. But if it's symbolic, they may miss that it's God. See, I'm a realist. Uh, I'm not a symbolic. There's a symbolist. Uh, there are odd, uh, all types of names for different people. I'm just frank. I'm just black and white. And I believe that when these white horse comes, the red horse, the black horse, the pale horse, uh, the souls under the altar, when all of these things happen, then they will know that it's God. It will be something so extraordinary that they could not deny that it's God. 
Now they revolt against God. They'll cry that the mountains will fall upon them. But they refuse to give their life to God. So this period right here, from the rapture of the church to this right here, is approximately three and a half years. Now in the middle of this three and a half year period, there is what is known as the war that takes place in heaven. You say, well, didn't God have a war with Satan? No, he didn't have a war with him at all. He threw him out. That wasn't a war. It was, you're out of here. Amen? That, that was it. Now, this time period right here, this war in the heaven, it's in the middle of the seven weeks or seven years of tribulation. So it's not exactly three and a half years here and three and a half years there. There is this little time frame right here. Now, this is where God switches over and deals with the devil. And so when we look at this, we see, if you go to uh, Revelation 12 and I think verse 7, I'll uh, show you something that takes place because many of us think that the devil has uh, already been cast to earth. He hasn't been cast to earth. He's been cast out of heaven. Uh, did he walk among the earth and all that? Yes, he did. But he also established a kingdom. And in that kingdom is where he battles God now. And if you will remember Daniel, the 10th chapter, he spoke about the king of Tyrus was there and that Gabriel, the angel that had come from the throne of God from the first time that Daniel had prayed, that there was a war in the heavens. That is, this war takes place in the second heaven. It does not take place in the third heaven. God has thrown the devil out of the third heaven. The devil's kingdom is not in hell. Who is in hell? People that have died without Christ. Amen. And so, this week is a war in the heavens. God attacks the devil. The devil does not attack God. God attacks the devil, and in Romans, I mean, Revelation, the uh, 12th chapter, verse 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought against his angels, and prevailed not, neither was their place found anymore. In other words, the kingdom of darkness is eradicated. It is destroyed. And the great dragon was cast out, the old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceived the whole world, he was cast out into the earth. Now he is active on planet earth. And it says that he was cast out to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Out of what? His kingdom. Not out of heaven, out of his kingdom. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. So this war takes place in between tribulation and the great tribulation. And so it is a time where God, Michael the archangel, and his angels attack the devil and his kingdom. They are cast out. Now, I will say this. Uh, somebody asked me the other day, are demons fallen angels? No. Well, where do demons come from? Are they the souls of disembodied people? No. If you, somebody dies, they go to hell or they go to heaven. Well, you know, my father-in-law came back and talked to me. Well, he can't come out of heaven and he can't come out of hell. So it wasn't your daddy. Come on. Well, well what was it? You know what? 
Could have been a familiar spirit. Could have been too much pizza. Could have been gas. I don't know. But I'm going to tell you what. You don't have to conjure up answers to appease people's questions. It doesn't really tell us what a demon is. It just says Jesus cast them out. Could have get an amen. All right. And so we understand that Jesus, when he cast out demons, we don't know where they ascended from. We don't know where they came from because we know that angels, listen to me well, angels do not have the ability to reproduce. Come on. Absolutely not. Well, where did, where, did, where did giants come from? I don't know, but they didn't come from false doctrine. Yeah, we, we don't, see, you want an answer for everything. Where did God come from? Well, right there. You don't know that. You don't know lots of things. And so there's no sense in making something up. Do you understand it? Look, it doesn't matter, you know, who says they're right, who says they're wrong. What does the Bible say? It doesn't tell you. Well, the sons of God met with the daughters of men. Sons of God were, yes, they were directed towards the devil. One time he is called that. You can't make a doctrine a one-time statement. Or the Mormons are right baptizing people for the dead and getting them into heaven. That is a false doctrine, and so is giants coming from people or a united breed of angelic and humanistic people. Stop. Could you please just stop? Well, I want to know. <laughs> you don't know. Why do you want to know something false? Yeah, amen. Just, just be stupid in truth. Yeah, hallelujah. So where do devils come from? Demons come from. We have no idea. It doesn't tell us. Oh, but, but, well, no, no. All you have to know is that you cast them out. Right? Okay. That's all we have to know is that we cast them out. And I don't care if they're rabbits. I don't care if they're piglets. I don't care if they're fallen stars. I don't care. I just know that when I say in the name of Jesus, come out, you coming out. That's what I know. And all these people that conjure up all this stuff, just start casting them out. Then you can become an authority. I'm not an authority, but I'm just telling you, when you can't even get a devil out of a three-year-old kid and get him healed and make him get him straightened up, and you're talking about how much you know about the devil, please give me a break. Quit leaning to stuff that cannot be proven. Amen. I, I'm just, I'm a real people. Where do demons come from? I don't know. What, 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 what do you think? I don't think. I've been commanded not to think. God told me to get rid of that old mind and put in a new one. I'm not trying to hold on to stuff that doesn't matter. Like the doctrine of the serpent having sex with Eve. Does it matter? Because Eating of a tree, a fruit of a tree, is not having sex. I mean, hello, that is idiotic stupidity going to extreme, what was it, Chernobyl or what was it in uh, Russia that happened, the Chernobyl? That's stupidity under Chernobyl's or Chernobyl's of radioactivity. Who in the world would think that? When the Bible tells you what it did. But we, we just thought, no, no. This is the thing in Romans, the first chapter I said. Your vain imagination. Stop. Please, stop. Hallelujah. If I had a dollar for every time somebody told me what they thought. Or a doctrine they came up with that wasn't even in the Bible. I'd be in Aruba getting a, an oil bath. Hallelujah. My about 50 Honolulu women. Oh, I forget that's in Hawaii. Well, with that kind of money, I'd be shipping them in. We, we need to just stop this stuff. 
Hallelujah. It's like we look for to things to be stupid. Phyllis tells me sometimes, she said, you want people to think you're stupid? I said, no, they think that already. She said, you want to give them proof? <laughs> no. All right. Now, right here, Revelation, the 12th chapter, this starts the war in heaven. Now, in the Bible, there are three heavens. There is the third heaven that Paul was called up to, which is where God and his kingdom is enthroned. And we can only get there by a translation from God to man. It's only at man, uh, God's discretion, not at man's. Devils cannot overtake it, and God is not defenseless to protect it. Secondly, there is the heaven. Heaven simply means a span of space. And there is the heaven we call the first heaven. It is between the earth and it goes up to the sky until oxygen ends. And that is where the birds and so forth fly. And then there is the second heaven. Now, we could not get to the devil's territory by going in rockets or anything like that. So just don't even dream like that. The second heaven, someplace in that span between the first heaven and God's kingdom is the second heaven. That is where the kingdom of Satan is located. That will be destroyed right here. And then starts a time period. Another time period. Remember, we've had one time period. We've got two time periods. We've got three time periods. Now we come into this time period, the great. Somebody say the great. This is the great tribulation. This tribulation period is directed towards the people or this time period. It really centers around Israel. And if you could go to Matthew, the 24th chapter, and I'll, I'll just show you this. And it has to do with only Israel, not with the Gentiles. And not really not with the rest of the world. Because what happens is this time after this war takes place and the devil is cast down to earth, then that son of perdition begins to get very active. And this is where the abomination, the desolation of Daniel that we're going to pick up in a, a couple of weeks comes into play. And that means that when it talks about the desolation of uh, the uh, temple in Daniel's time period, what that does, it tells us, is dealing with Israel. Now, in Matthew, the 24th chapter, and let me see what verse it is. Uh, 24, I think it's verse, well, let's go to verse 1, I think it is. No, verse 4, I think it's verse 4. Now, Matthew 24. Fat fingers and thin pages. All right. And uh, verse 4. Now, the disciples are, are by uh, Solomon's temple. And Jesus says, these, these, there will not be one stone set upon another stone until they're thrown down, until these things come to pass. So when did the temple, when was the temple destroyed? Anybody know? When? 70 A.D. And in that time, there was great upheaval. There were 11 emperors that were in that time frame from the time that Jesus was crucified in the last 10 years. This is the time where Paul was very active. Now, in that, I think it was Nero. There are different viewpoints of who destroyed it. But Solomon's temple was destroyed. Is Solomon's temple important to the church or to end times? No. Solomon's temple is totally irrelevant. Why? David's tabernacle will be raised. David's tabernacle is a tabernacle in the wilderness. It is a skin tabernacle. It is not Solomon's temple. Solomon's temple was for uh, Solomon and that uh, Israel at that time. But there were many temples in Israel and through the countries where the faith of Judaism was established. So Solomon's temple was not the centerpiece. It was Solomon's temple at Jerusalem. 
But David's temple, the tabernacle in the wilderness, was the central theme and the center of all activity of Israel. Entirely different. And so when the tabernacle is set up, it will be the tabernacle of David. It will not be the tabernacle of Solomon. You know, they were always saying, oh, they found the foundation of Solomon. They the foundation is sticking out of the ground. I could have found it. There are lots of things that are in Israel and that are taught that are not in Scripture. Any of you ever heard the Wailing Wall? It doesn't exist in the Bible. It is absolutely non-existent. It's not in the Bible. It's created by man's tradition. And it's become a holy site when it's not a holy site. You want something holy, go over and get one of those Solomon's tabernacle stones, big as a car. That's more sacred than that wall. But it's a great place to raise money. I'm not demeaning them. I'm just telling you it's a money project. Well, well there are priests there. Of course there are priests there. But it is not a sacred place with God. Oh, hallelujah. There you go. Thank you. All right, Matthew, the 24th chapter, and then it says in verse 4, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Really? It's just the beginning of the great tribulation. And then it says this, Nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines, pestilence, and earthquakes in diverse places. Now, all these things are the beginnings of sorrow. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated for all, of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many of them be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound. Iniquity shall abound. That the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure until the end shall be saved. Now, if he says at the end they shall be saved there would have to have been a beginning. Jesus is talking about if you endure to the end through this time period, you can be saved. And then it says this, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached into all the world for a witness unto all the nations, and then shall the end come. When ye shall therefore see the abomination of the desolation spoken of by Daniel, the prophet, stand in the holy place. Now, when does this desolation of Daniel take place? It takes place at the beginning of this great tribulation. This war is completed. The devil is cast out of heaven. This great tribulation period begins and it begins because the Antichrist, the son of perdition, enters in. If you go to 2 Thessalonians 2, and uh, we'll quickly read this, and then we'll get back and kind of gel this together and get some questions. 2 Thessalonians, and we're going to start uh, in verse 1. 2 Thessalonians 2, 1. For you yourselves, brother, know that our entrance into you, and that it was not in vain. But even after that, oh, that's First Thessalonians. What? I'm sorry, thin pages, fat fingers. Tell us when my fingers go on a diet. Now, uh, 2 and verse 1 again. And I'm going to get liposuction on my fingers. All right. And it says this, Now we beseech you, brother, by the coming of our Lord Jesus. Now, what's he talking about, the coming of the Lord Jesus? He's talking about this coming. And I'm going to show you why. He's talking about that coming because he says this, 
that ye may not be soon shaken in mind or trouble, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor letter as from us, that the day of Christ is at hand. The day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means that that day shall not come except there come a great falling away first that the man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. Now, how many of you believe there's going to be a great falling away of the church? It is, but it doesn't mean the numbers will shrink. What it means, there is a great falling away of truth, but not of the numbers of the church. People will, are looking at the church as an appeasement of conscience they are social gatherings they are business connections and so the church has become a place of merchandise but when this happens here we have to understand that there will be a great influx into the church but it'll all be because of false doctrine and the, there will be a falling away from the truth a remnant will be saved Think of a whole dress, but a remnant will be saved. Well, well, I thought all Christians, all Christians are not Christians. Amen? Just like today, no more. all men are not men and all women are not women. I worked with a guy that he was, uh, I was under me and I was foreman in the lumber company and uh, he was telling me a story, which I never would have repeated it, but he repeated it. And he said, you know, I was out in California, I was in the Navy out there. One night, you know, I was just making out with this girl, man. He said, I thought, oh, hallelujah. You know, been out in sea, praise God. And uh, he said, I just laid, we laid on the beach. We were making out and everything. And, and in the middle of the night, I woke up, and guess what? There was something there that wasn't on a woman. And he said, Lord, yeah, what is this? Well, that ended a happy day. I said, why didn't you tell that? He said, well, it happened. I said, stupid, I wouldn't let people know. So what does that mean? That means if you're in the world, before you ever take a girl out, say, could I have pictures? Confirmation, doctor reports, baby pictures pre-existent relationships. Yeah, that's why I would only date a woman that had had a baby if I was single. But, I'm kidding, all right. So, uh, but then in verse 4 it says this, who opposes and exalteth, this is what the Antichrist does, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worship, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now this son of perdition will come into this time period, and while Israel is building or restoring worship in the tabernacle of David. Now there will be great revival going on, and we'll talk about that in a later session. But during this time, the Antichrist will go in and defile the tabernacle of God. He will go into the Holy of Holies and declare himself as God. And as soon as he does, that's when Israel will deny him and he will begin to afflict Israel. This is where they will flee to the mountains. This is where they will hide. This is where there will be no place for them. And the Antichrist will seek to destroy them. So this takes place in the abomination of the desolation of Daniel, knowing that that has to do with the David tabernacle. We, as a church, are not here. It doesn't have anything to do with the Gentile church. Now God is dealing with Israel. Okay. So in that time frame, Israel goes through this great tribulation such as never been. It lasts after the war in the heavens, it sets in a time period, and it lasts until this point here. This is the return of Jesus Christ or the second, say the second coming. 
This is not the second coming. The first coming of Jesus Christ was through the Virgin Mary. His purpose was to save mankind. He brought salvation. This is not the coming of Christ. Christ comes and catches away his church. The world is not even aware that it takes place. But then, down through to the end of tribulation, then Jesus comes, and every man, every woman that is alive sees him. That is what is known as the day of the Lord, the crowning of a king. This is known as the second coming of Christ. Everybody sees him. At this time, Jesus comes back, according to Jude, with ten thousands of thousands of his saints. That's you and I. We are wearing white robes. We come with Christ. But he is also accompanied by angels. He's accompanied by angels. And if you'll look at uh, Matthew, let me see. Uh, what is that? Matthew 21. You know, you shouldn't do this off your head. Matthew 21. 21 or 25, Peter. Could somebody help me? I'm looking where Jesus comes and separates the goats and the sheep. Matthew 25, oh good, what verse? 31. Hey, you'll get as paid much as I do for tonight. That means you get nothing. All right, Matthew 25, and uh, let's look at verse 30. And uh, you said 30? Matthew 25, what was it? 31. Thank you. Hey, and it says, and when the Son of Man, that's talking about this time frame right here, talking about the return of Christ, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory. When he shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. So he's coming back with the angelic host with him. And then if you look at verse 32, it says, And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them from, uh, and he shall separate them from one another, and as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set his sheep on his right hand. Anybody know who the sheep are? The sheep is Israel that have endured till the end. And the Gentiles that have been saved during this time. Now they are here and Jesus comes and sets them aside. And then what he does with the goats is uh, as he gathered all the nations and he hath set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Notice there is no judgment to those people. None. It does not take place. And then it says, For I was hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me, and I was sick, and you visited me, and I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we then hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? And when saw we as a stranger and took thee in or naked and clothed thee? Or whether, when had we seen thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto him, Verily I say unto you, insomuch as you have done it unto one of the least of my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Then shall he say unto those on the left side, Depart from me, ye accursed. Is this the only issues that Jesus has between the goats and the sheep? 
No. What Jesus is telling us, one has my nature, the other does not. So if we aren't doing these things, we need to look at ourselves and say, where is Christ in me? It's not hard to look, but we do have to say, are these things happening through me? Amen? And uh, then he says, and uh, they shall say unto him then, on the left hand, depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungered, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in. Naked, and you clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they also answer, saying, Lord, when saw we thee hungered, or thirst, or stranger, naked, or sick, or in prison, did not, uh, and did not minister unto thee? You know, lots of times Christians will minister when it's beneficial. They'll minister if they think they're going to get credit. Jesus isn't looking for flashy stars. He's looking for secret agents. And we need to be people that doesn't matter if we're ever recognized, we're still going to do it. And then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, insomuch as you did it, not unto one of the least of these, ye did it, not unto me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life, what? Eternal. Now, that is true that they go into a life eternal, but it isn't all the way true. Now, these men are still men and women of flesh and blood. These men and women will repopulate the earth. They will refill it, and during that, this millennial reign, this is a thousand-year reign, and so, without any sickness and disease, without any Viagra, old age, or anything like that, headaches and menopause, the earth is going to be filled. Hey, glory God. Hallelujah. And, uh, <laughs> never mind. All right. Uh, and so, Christ is going to reign for 1,000 years. He judges all the nations and all that type of stuff. Notice that the church is not here. So, people that believe in the kingdom, that the kingdom simply means that they don't go to heaven. They may be caught up in the air, they come straight back down, or that Jesus is just going to come back down, and they're going to have so much rule and authority, they're going to take dominion over the earth, and you're crazy. And uh, all of this right here just declares that you're, you're, you know, anyway. And Jesus judges nations, but he doesn't judge the church. He doesn't judge your sheep. So, let's just move on. And Satan is bound for 1,000 years. Somebody say for 1,000 years. And then at the end of a 1,000-year period, he is what? He's loosed for a season. And he's loosed for a season to tempt those that have never been tempted. And even some of the people probably that are in these that are numbered that says they have eternal life, we understand that these are still going to be producing they're still going to be productive, but there is a day that the devil is going to be loosed, and he is then going to be loosed, and he's going to recruit Gog and Mo, Gog, Gog, yeah, and Satan will get them to fight with him and deceive them. They will fight against Jesus. There is a fire that comes out from heaven and consumes them and destroys them. So, here we have the... Uh, time frames down here, and this is the fourth time frame. This is a fifth time frame called the ages of ages. This is where God will show us his glory and so forth of the worlds to come in Ephesians 2, 1, 4 through 8. And then after that takes place, right here is where the sinner's doom comes. Hell is delivered up. There is a great white throne judgment. And sinners are judged. And if you think hell is bad, it is, hell is cast into the lake of fire. Whew. Hell is a prelude. And then what happens is this is the age of newness. It is the age of recreation where the earth is purged by fire. Now we have these six time frames. Very important to understand, to know where we are, 
and where we enter into. Now, we as Christians will not be here. So I would encourage you to live right. Oh, oh I, I, I used to say this. Oh, I'll endure. I'll make it through. I'll never take the mark. Sure, right. I couldn't even say no to one temptation. You can't say no to one. What are you going to do with all this stuff taking place? So that's what's going to happen next week when we come together. We're going to start breaking this down, and we're going to see everything that starts taking place on planet Earth. On planet Earth. Now, I'm going to take a few minutes and we're going to have you or allow you to ask questions about the time frame that we're in, the time frame we're entering in, because we haven't discussed this and a lot of it is not even relevant to us because we're not going to be here. Amen? All right. So, do we have any questions about where we are and uh, things that we just talked about tonight or in the past? I'm curious, Pastor, about um, Israel, because we know that nation has been chosen by God. So many things are going to happen, have already happened. He's protected them throughout. Yep. But he says they was put into a state of slumber until an appointed time, and the 144,000 will preach to them. Yep. But where do they come from? Because obviously the Messianic Jews are going to be with us. They're going to go to heaven the same time we will go to heaven, won't they? These, these... 144,000 are already sealed. They have a seal on their head, and they are sealed by God. And I think it's uh, 11th, I think it's 11th chapter. What, what is it? Uh, uh, oh, it's before that. There will be 144,000 during this same time period, Mark, that butts up against this one. There will be two witnesses. We'll talk about those two witnesses. I believe that they are Elijah and Enoch. Some would say, well, Moses, no, no. No man is appointed unto death twice. He's appointed unto death one time. Enoch did not die, nor did Elijah. So this time, and it will be a time of angels. We'll find that in scriptures too. So this is a time of great revival. And so signs and wonders will be done and all that. All of this stuff will be happening. People will start looking for hope. These men will start preaching to the Jewish nation as well as to the world because these two uh, will be on national television. And, of course, we know that it, they kill them, they lay there for three days, and then they're resurrected. Well, I'm, I'm sure even CNN is going to show up. And uh, so, but that 144,000 is already sealed by God. And when he, that moment comes... Jesus will appear to every one of them at the same time. They'll all be converted. I know it, there's it will no, just, no, no real evidence that I've seen in the Word, but just from your own personal thoughts, why do you think God put them in a state of slumber? For the simple fact that mercy and salvation could come to the Gentile. Okay. See, he took them out. The Bible says that you can find about Israel and their time frame in Romans 9, 10, and 11. It says that they have been taken out and the wild olive branch has been grafted in. And so now that is a time frame that we are joined to God and joined to Christ. He gave them the spirit of slumber, but do know this, that God will again be merciful to Israel. And God is a just God, so he will reward them. Yeah, they, they won't miss out. And don't worry, nobody's going to destroy them. The devil is not even going to destroy them. I'm just telling you, they're, they're going to survive. That's all that they have survived, and anybody that thinks they can take them is just crazy. <laughs> I'm telling you, buddy. Yep. So, there you go. Anybody else? Boy. This must be an exciting subject. Or, I'm answering all questions. Did you get that, Phyllis? <laughs> what? Well, I've heard somewhere that there's like seven heavens 
There's seven dimensions of heavens. I don't know where I heard it from. There are different levels of heaven because it's built upon itself. And Jesus gives us that illustration. Uh, you know, it's, it's built. It's not, you would think, well, how could you hold a billion people in there? But heaven has different levels, just like hell has different compartments. But Jesus said this, I go to my Father's house to prepare a place for you. And if you look at Jew, Judaism, when a man uh, has a family, he starts building on his father's house. His father's house is on the bottom. It must be built, unshakable. It cannot be rattled. Then what happens, the next oldest son comes, he moves right on top of him. Then the next son and moves on top of him. The daughters are moved over into another man's house. But Jesus said, I go to prepare you a place so we know that he's building us up someplace and so that he builds us up in every generation. And then when the father dies, guess what? The eldest son moves down. Everybody moves down, but nobody moves out. And so we understand that Jesus gives us, you know, different places to rule and all that. But he is a firstborn. He is going to have his place and we're going to have ours. And so, you know, sometimes everything in the Bible, and, you know, I see lots of things, but they're not relevant to preach. They're, they're just, they're, they're not relevant. Yes, they're true, but do we want to put our time into preaching them? And, uh, no, we can't preach the whole Bible anyway. I mean, is uh, 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 Tim here? Tim and Jill, is Tim here? He's been teaching a year on Genesis. Who teaches a year on Genesis? Yeah, he would be here 66 years preaching from Genesis to Revelation. <laughs> yeah, I know it. I've heard him talk. Okay, Eric. So when you were talking about the rapture and you said the world wouldn't know it's happening, obviously we don't know when it's going to happen, but... You know, I'm sure Hollywood's interpretation of it is way off, but if we're driving down the road, don't you think that's going to be chaotic? And Listen, I mean, it, is, it is going to be so chaotic that there'll be no place to go. You realize that that judgment, these two time periods of judgment, are to cause men to know that there is a God. No, they could get saved. But you're going to have to sacrifice. You will not have to take the mark of the beast. Can they hold up under that? I don't know. I'm just telling you, I don't think I could. That's why I'm going on the first load. And if any of us start getting killed, I'm going first. Because I don't want to say, oh, my God, where was God in all that? Man, he was tormented. I thought we'd die in peace. Nope, nope. I'm going on the first load. I am the first guy the lion's eating. I'm the first guy they're killing with a sword. I'm the first guy they're shooting. You have to deal with your own fear after that. Absolutely. Praise God. <laughs> I ain't waiting in line. Amen. Well, God will intervene. Yeah, maybe he'll intervene after. Nope, I'm going first. Pastor, a couple more. Um, okay, so you said whenever the rapture happens that the people who are left here won't realize that we're gone do you have any why? won't be able to do what <laughs> that you said they won't really know that we're gone well, no they'll know we're gone but they'll just make up something you know uh, well, uh, you know they all got abducted we knew there were aliens they'll have ray on there say see this is an alien and he took the whole neighborhood no look there look people believe anything you, you i mean they believe anything you, you can just say something on TV and, and uh, you know, like, and I, I'm, well, I, I have to say, yeah, I am pleased with what the president has done. I really don't much care about anything else. I just know that, you know what, unemployment is down in our, uh, 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 all, of, all across America, in our uh, lower income communities. He's established things that are helping uh, generations and cultures in America to get educations and things like that, whether you like him or not, you know what? He's doing things that generations have refused to deal with. 
and that we could have been ahead if we would have just kept America first instead of some type of stupid ideology to make us France or Britain. Just stupid. But having said that, where was I? Was it? Yes. Uh, listen, they say things about him, and, and people believe him. You know, he's unfit. He's morally unfit. Was Clinton morally fit? Come on, get, get your heads into reality. No, we don't elect people on morality. Kennedy proved that. Clinton proved that. And Obama did in hell. Come on. He's never taken drugs. He's never taken a drink. His kids kids are better than most Christians. Come on. Listen, but they believe that stuff. And that's why you have the CNN crowd and you have the Fox crowd. Because people want to believe bad. I don't want to believe bad. I want to believe right. And I watch CNN and so forth, but I also mail them and say, you know what? You guys need to quit lying. Yep, absolutely. And I just tell them, I don't appreciate you giving me stuff that is not there. Right. I, I don't appreciate that. Right. And for us to listen just to one side, whether it's Fox News, Hannity, or Rush Limbaugh, to have one-sided is just wrong. Amen. And if you're a CNN fan, you're just as wrong. And I'm just telling you that you cannot get so politically stirred that you can't live as a Christian. You don't want to do it. You know what? I'm glad that I have a president. I prayed for the last one. I'm praying for this one. And do I have my preference? Yeah, I have my preference. But whoever is elected next time, I'll be praying for him. I absolutely will. And I may not agree with his policies, but I'm not going to ever attack him personally. Not going to do it. We don't have a right because we don't know him. We do not know him. Don't think you know what goes on behind closed doors. You know, when, when the last uh, uh, party was in there, you know, Syrians were getting killed and, and everything. Didn't do anything. We drew a red line and we picked it up and put it on our back, painted it yellow and ran. Now, I, I don't like that kind of stuff. I want America to be strong. I want America to be real. I want America to be successful. And uh, people that don't like it, I don't know what to tell you, but you know what? We aren't going to be France. I don't want to be France. I don't want to be secular. I don't want to be corrupt. You know, you think France is so great? Well, go to, why don't you go to the Ivory Coast, who they liberate and still take 90% of everything that comes out of that country, and everything in that country costs twice as much because they have to buy it after They have been marked up by France. France are hypocrites. They're hypocrites. They talk about equality and liberty. And all they do is every country they've ever taken, they've loosed them, but they still plunder them. And it's wrong. And I just don't like it. So I don't want to be France. Absolutely not. And I don't want to be a Briton. I couldn't stand their stinking, what do you call that, uh, accent. <laughs> if a girl started talking like a Briton beside me, I'd say, get up. You've just lost your attractiveness. <laughs> I, ju- I just don't like it. I don't, I don't like it. <laughs> and you think, oh, they love you. No, they don't. They all would be speaking German without us, but... When you go to France, you go to Britain, you say, do you take American money? No, absolutely not. We don't want that money. I think, well, you wanted our guns and our blood before you started singing, Don Kishin. Yeah. Yeah, I don't don't like that. I don't like it at all. But I'm not a CNN fan, and I'm not a Fox fan. I'm a Jesus fan. And if I get enough information out, I will look at my country to determine how the presidency is going. That's how I'm going to do it. But I'm not going to side with half-truths from either side. And let me tell you something, they're all political. 
Our, our education system is political. It's, just, it's crazy. Our workplaces get political. Our churches can get political. We are not, I don't want political here. I want Jesus first, be an American second, and then be whoever you want to be. But don't bring Republican or Democrat because they're both corrupt. Amen? They're both corrupt. They're all in it for money. They're all in it to rule you as a puppet. I've never once been called to ask what I thought about an issue. Every issue they want me to have, they run down my throat and make me support it with my own money. Oh, I'm not a friend of the swamp. I'm just not. Hallelujah. Let's get out of here. I can see Phyllis at home throwing stuff at the screen. <laughs> hmm. Hallelujah. Well, Sunday, we'll get back to spiritual things. Hallelujah. And uh, so we're going to be preaching on, I don't know what it's going to turn out. I haven't, I got three messages I've written and never preached yet. Because God keeps intervening. So Sunday morning is going to be great. But let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, just help us. Just be Jesus people. Man, just Jesus people. And God, let Jesus be first and foremost in our life. And let us, God, pray for our leaders, stand and and fast for our leaders. But God, let us not attack our leaders. Let us lift them up. We are not Republican. We're not Democrat. We belong to the kingdom of God. And God, we thank you for it. Bless everybody that's here in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. God bless you. See you Sunday. Hallelujah.